no, 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 discussion about television that captures our imaginations. I'm your host, Anthony Mays, and today I'm joined by Jake Hoy, Eden Liu, and Walter Mays. This week we're acknowledging the elephant in the room and caving in our husband's skull with a hammer for Watchmen Episode 7 in almost religious awe. This is a this title is a quote from the graphic novel referring to the way that the Viet Cong asked to surrender to Dr. Manhattan in person. They were blown away by him, and that is very evident in this cold open but first, we start with a documentary backstory on John Osterman, maybe produced by Ken Burns. I really enjoyed this. <laughs> Loved we get it. his Loved it. childhood clock-making shop. We get actual footage of him in Vietnam. And I noticed at this point, the first time watching through, that they intentionally don't show his face. So that is something that will be a big revelation next episode is what actor is playing Dr. Manhattan? I have lots of questions about that. But we pull out of this documentary into a Vietnamese video store where young Angela finds a tape called Sister Night, the nun with the motherfucking gun, which of course is the name of her theme music that plays when she chases Lube Man. And it's VVN Day in 1987 in Saigon. People are wearing Dr. Manhattan masks. Angela sees a Dr. Manhattan puppet. Her parents won't let her watch this video because her dad says people who wear masks are dangerous, Angela, and we should be scared of them because they're hiding something. And her memories begin to overlap with Will's memories of Black Wall Street as she witnesses a bicyclist pick up a package from the puppeteer and detonate a bomb that kills her parents. Jake, you said you loved this opening scene. Yet another stunning cold open. Yeah, beautiful. Well, first, like, you're lulled into this sense of, I mean, you know, we know something happened because this backstory is a mystery. But they actually lulled us into this kind of 50s presentation of American parenthood. And, you know, like the dad's just got the perfect tone with his daughter you know they expect her to come out with this purchase but he like gives her the like the old school why it's not good for her at this moment and like not even really i'm kind of only half processing even that it's like the son you know there there was a case where i kind of needed the emphasis of the little flashback video oh but Right, because I was like, yeah. it's just a lot to process. There's like, like just a like, disconnect, oh, like I'm it's pretty- not immediately connected in my brain. Yeah. So, but I was just mesmerized to this whole opening. That this the intricacies of the shots, the the uh, the little scare when she almost gets hit by the bike passing in front of her. Right, she has to do the pause. Um, 
And so it just was a tremendous build of tension, I thought, really powerfully done for me. I really enjoyed it, but I did find myself trying to figure out if they turned Atlanta into Vietnam here. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, but, you know, it was all so tightly shot. I, I, I wasn't... I mean, the thing is, I wanted to get back to your comment, though, about the Vietnamese being blown away by... Dr. Manhattan, <laughs> because that seems to be the crux of the problem, <laughs> right? There's the two schools, because it seemed like I, I didn't know that what was meant by him saving the situation for America was that he basically just went in as his own version of Dr. Uh, Agent Orange there yep, and just sort of took down everybody that was in on the enemy side, huh? Yeah, I mean, how are you going to fight him? He was the weapon. He was a one-man offense. It seems to be the fundamental problem with the show is that, as we saw with Vite later, right, it's like, these guys become gods and it's a double-edged sword, just like dynamite was as much good as they can do. They all wind up doing something fundamentally evil. Oh, I think that's the political aspect that really comes out in the graphic novel is Dr. Manhattan is really fascinating because even though he is the Supreme being, he does have emotions. Like even though he's unstuck in time and can see everything, mm -hmm constantly and kind of knows exactly what's going to happen he still has emotions and he can still be manipulated so right his involvement in vietnam i think kind of soured him on humanity in general he comes in and he wins the war but then he's kind of discouraged from doing that he doesn't do that again and then eventually he decides to leave and not be involved at all rather than be a weapon i don't really think there's any sense of doing good well and he was being a patriot he was doing the yes at the at the president's behest and he was winning the war for us he was co-opted into doing the right thing for america but the right thing for vietnam was to leave it alone right yeah and he learns from that well we don't know that in the show itself though there's a very important scene in the graphic novel that that we'll have to discuss for okay. this episode okay that is between the comedian and Dr. Manhattan in Vietnam. Yeah. Okay. That is very important. That has that has a lot of uh, consequences on this episode in a variety of ways. But I, I see what you're saying, Jake. Yeah, I think I think that Dr. Manhattan did learn from his time in Vietnam that he can do evil as well. Right. And I think that it's interestingly portrayed because in this flashback sequence with young Angela, we see everybody with the puppets and the masks, and they're showing love for him but then also later we see the murderer graffiti over his image and the devil horns oh man i love I mean, what a shot that was an amazing yeah. shot. What a shot there's a double-edged sword to this yes that's that's what i was getting at you know because they tell you that story in the documentary and then they reinforce it with that image in a big way although it was interesting that it was murderer in english <laughs> Good. Well, because the audience wouldn't have known what it said, Jake. <laughs> well, we're living in America now, Jake. Yeah, Vietnam yeah. is the 51st state. You know, they 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 really emphasize that. Yes, they do. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> How many years in was it 
at that scene. I can't, what was the date on that? It scene? was 1987. There was a yeah. flyer on the street that said okay. it's VVN day okay. 1987. Okay, cool. Almost two decades then? Nearly two decades. Yeah. Okay, I mean, what so year I'm was it that he ended that. the war? 67 or 69? Well, he did it for Nixon. He didn't do it for Johnson. And so Nixon didn't get into the White House until 69. So I always read it that he won the war in the early 70s. Okay. So we're thrown back into reality as Angela wakes up on the floor, having thrown herself out of bed after the explosion in her memories. <laughs> Lady True enters and Hong Chow is really on fire She's in this so episode. Good. She's so over it. Yeah. Yes. She can't believe that she has to go through this again. It's at least the fifth time that she's told Angela all this stuff. She gives Angela a tutorial injection that beautifully illustrates the process. I, I thought this was fantastic. So, you've taken someone else's nostalgia. Don't panic. We can help. Introducing pneumodialysis, a treatment by True Pharmaceuticals. At this moment, Foreign memories have invaded your brain. Those memories have embedded by consolidating into neural networks, clogging existing pathways and threatening higher cognitive function. We call this process recollective infestation. The only remedy for infestation is to call a good exterminator. So let's get in there and spray. Pneumodialysis saturates the brain with cerebrospinal fluid provided by a natural host and literally flushes nostalgia from the cortex. The procedure is delicate and somewhat tedious. Consider keeping yourself occupied by meditating or reading a good book. Thank you for trusting True Pharmaceuticals with the most precious of possessions, your mind. Goodbye and have a pleasant return to consciousness. The how tremendous was this industrial video? <laughs> I love this thing, man. Nothing like a shot that gives you a two-minute video. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. Just the line, too, man. The line, your tutorial injection. Loved it. We learned that the tube, the huge tube plugged into her arm is connected to a natural host, which Angela believes is Will. Lady True won't let her talk to Will, explains that Angela's own memories will come back suddenly and overtake her, which sets up the device for this episode. And also she explains that the the memories are intertwined, so that's why we keep seeing these overlaps, which is really well done in this episode. But she's totally over it. Angela's got a ton of questions. How did Angela end up with Lady True? Like, because didn't she get arrested by the FBI? She said that Lori Blake. went to her, that Lori yeah. went to her and said, can you help me? Oh, okay. Yeah. Blake brought her to get cleared of gotcha. the confusion. Okay, okay. Because it's her drug right oh yeah that's right that's right that's right the creator of nostalgia because i guess angela would have been useless if they didn't fix her first right Lori got the info from the recordings that she took but then she's she decided that she needed to try to fix angela because she refused consent to get her stomach pumped oh yeah okay i, I guess they didn't need consent to do this <laughs> rehab yeah. though Cal pulls up to the Millennium Clock, which is about to activate, and he tries to get in. Pirate Jenny and Red Scare are staked out outside. The toll booth operator drops a hologram disc on the ground that projects Beyond, who won't let Cal in. Lori is listening to her recordings of Angela while on Nostalgia, which we talked about in the PDPedia section last week. She learns about Cyclops and that Judd was told to hang himself. And then PD radios in from Looking Glass's bunker 
which is full of five dead cavalrymen, and Wade himself is nowhere to be found. Eden, are you bummed out that we got denied this action scene? Definitely. I I feel like they do <laughs> they do action scenes very well. So it's like so far anyway, and we haven't had a lot of violence recently, at least well choreographed violence. The aftermath of this scene is very Rorschach like, and especially leaving it off screen. That's another thing that they did in Watchmen. And it shows some impressive skill on Wade's part. So even though we might, I was kind of down on him after that solo episode and to see him come out of this situation on top is impressive. And dad, did you notice that one of the cavalry masks is missing? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it's pretty clear he's gone. He's, he's infiltrating the cavalry. He's off the grid. He's in the Rorschach mask. So now the, the Rorschach archetype has become Rorschach in a way, which is fantastic. We knew that this was going to happen from the documents last week. And so it was interesting to have this shorter scene of exposition to catch us up on what happened without showing any of it, really. Yeah. Lori intercepts Jane Crawford, who's out on a horseback ride. She's very forthcoming here. (laughs) She's kind of spilling her cards. Yeah. Yeah. Very aggressively. It's a very interesting way to handle this interrogation. Yeah. <laughs> Let's That's just it? put everything on the table. This was right. the first this was the first and, in, in the show that irritated me and it set up a 45 okay. long state of irritation oh, with, interesting. with ways that certain things were just were just yeah. sort of glitzed through that the yeah. spilling everything was just bizarre. The whole freaking yeah. The whole freaking bit with the 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 little manual remote control. Oh yeah. yeah. The minute a trained cop is sitting in a chair and someone is firing something at her and it misfires and she just sits there and goes, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no fucking way. That made me insane. And I, then my I, and my mood didn't lift for the entire goddamn episode. You know, I've still enjoyed the I I still love the episode, Walter. But I I hear you on that scene all around because it was there were great things happening in that scene. Oh, yeah. And they undercut it tremendously with this poor police work. And then, like you say, this paralysis that set in. I mean, it'd be one thing if she were trying to get up and then the thing collapsed and she went with it. But the fact that she sits there the whole time. She just sits there and says, what are you doing? The line that bugged me, like when it really started, was she's like, I've got the tapes. I'll play them for you. What what did she just like, what? (laughs) Narrative convenience. Got to get her into that JCPenney. We'll talk about my level of irritation more when we get to the elephant in the room. Mm, All right. (laughs) So Lori tells Jane that Will Reeves killed Judd, reveals that Will Reeves is Angela's grandfather, Tells Jane that Will Reeves is hooded justice. I mean, spoiler alert! Jane's been out of the action for a while. No way she knew that one. And then she even goes further, talks about Cyclops and mind control. She theorizes that Joe Keen is using Cyclops to become president, which does set up an incredible response from Jane where she says, well, that was the original idea, but something extraordinary happened and suddenly president seemed a bit small potatoes. I'm sorry, was I not supposed to confess yet? You've just been going on and on and on. <sighs> I love that. I'm sorry. Lori blew it, but Jane crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. Francis Fisher's delivery of that line was fabulous, which is why I, I didn't really, it 
it didn't start to really bug me until the second time I watched it. Cause you know, I have to watch every episode of this damn thing twice because I just want to watch the first one and just take it all in. Yeah. That's how I do it too. Yeah. Second, second go around is for the note taking after I've looked at the PDPedia, after I've looked up all the Easter eggs, all of that. Then you go back for that second, that second course of the, the Thanksgiving Watchmen meal. <laughs> so she's smashing the buttons on this old school remote. Eventually it activates a trap door. The couch falls through the floor, and Jane makes a call. She says, you want me to kill her or what? <laughs> Very dry. She's more of a badass than we thought, clearly. Then Beyond comes to visit Angela. She administers a test where Angela is asked to answer questions about two drawings. It's very Rorschach-like. It's similar to the Rorschach test. But it turns out that Beyond is just finishing her dissertation. Angela is shocked because her kids can't even read, apparently. Beyond asks Angela why she would be a cop and lie to her kids, which triggers a flashback. We see young Angela pulled out of the orphanage where they are painting Dr. Manhattan dolls. Is this just arts and crafts or is it uh, slave labor, Eden? Feels like uh, the <laughs> earliest form of like sweatshop labor. Definitely. I mean, a, an orphanage in Vietnam, that's like, you know, Nike, Nike's got its like eyes on it already. <laughs> and they pull her outside the police have her identify the scarred puppeteer who was taken around the corner and shot the female officer hands angela a badge and tells her to come find her when she's older that was my favorite little uh, little angela line can i listen yeah that was great that was <laughs> that was such a little cute little girl actor she did such a good job she was good her memories continue to overlap with wills and beyond shares her dreams of being an old woman and that her dreams hurt, Angela says hers hurt also. There's a beautiful transition of stained glass through Angela's eyes to Adrian Vite, who has been on trial for an entire year. This was by far the worst Vite sequence. Oh, it made me insane. Oh, uh, see, no, 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 no. I like this sequence. I thought this was tremendous. I'm shocked by that. I thought it was completely useless. See, now it's got me thinking that the whole Vite story is basically the parable that's going to apply to the contemporary story is, you know, Vite was trying to create a utopia and thought he had to make some sacrifices along the way to get there. But it turns out he's really only interested in what he wants and he's willing to do whatever it takes to see his vision through. He just doesn't care. You know, so again, the the good is ultimately outweighed by the evil. And now I was imagining that basically he's been placed by probably Dr. Manhattan in, in what is his hell. You know, it could have been a pretty decent situation, but his ambition got the best of him. And now he's just he goes on trial for a straight year. And now he's going to have to live in this guilty hell, almost a scarlet letter situation where everybody's against him. You didn't see it that way. I saw it that way. But what really bugged me was the the level of antagonism against him from these previously we will do anything for swamp fetuses yeah it's like where does this all come from programming yeah this i is thought the program. he programmed them to be like that okay yeah that didn't bother me i mean only because this, this is what i think 
Manhattan anticipated the outcome to be. Well, how would they even have a courtroom on a on a on a land just for biting clones? Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's like it's almost like evolving animation that adapts to whatever it reacts to bite you know i mean it'll be interesting to see if they try to explain this world to us which they still haven't no well we do know that bite is a bit of a masochist so prosecutor crookshanks says that their creator was a he which is important because this is cast into doubt i've lots of questions about the timeline now that we'll get into a little later they run through Vite's resume of his atrocious acts against humanity. Lacrimosa plays again. I feel kind of bummed out that they're corrupting this song with repetition, Dad. Would you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, it's, it doesn't seem to have a constant meaning, and it's really bugging me what they're doing with it. Yeah, it, that, that, that does. Yep, it was just one of the many things that irritated me about this episode. So Then the setup is just Jeremy Irons farting. <laughs> which was protracted <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then there's a joke about his peers being a jury of pigs <laughs> and it's just like what is happening not in the way that we have said before for these sequences it's like why are they sullying themselves with this humor this weird humor then all of the swamp fetuses shout guilty at him and he sheds a tear so you you think that this is just him suffering this is his hell you think he's actually learning from this because i felt he was just kind of didn't care of course it's been happening for a year because these happen every year right and that's what i mean i mean what kind of trial goes on for a year that's not basically some version of dante's inferno for what he did yeah so it becomes i mean i I could only see it functioning as a kind of hell for him now going forward. He's going to escape from hell, so we'll have to find out what that's you all about. You think so? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, there's we'll no see. way they teased the whole Jupiter thing without him actually escaping, right? We knew he wasn't going to escape then. Like, that was definite foreshadowing. He's got to be Lady True's father. He's yes. got to be. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, and not she, yet. And oh, she, he's the not yet. Yep. Yes. That's why she has a statue. Okay. And, and my guess is he's also the meteorite that landed on the Clark. I, I said that. I, I thought yeah, that. you did. Yes. I remember you called I that. I thought that could be possible. But we didn't How, know the relationship. But And then I said that could be because they've been messing with timelines on us in subtle ways. Right. And that would be a weird one because that's now that would be a huge look into the future. The clock is go, set to go off in three hours. Oh, so you're saying what we could have seen is fight might already be here, too. That's true. But no, he will be. So I don't know. I, I you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I've just, that's my bet is that he's the dad. He's the, you know, unless I, love it. I, I don't love think they're going to bring in somebody that we haven't met or talked about yet. And there isn't anybody else who fills the bill. They've been doing a good job of using the characters that already <laughs> exist. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. fill these roles. Also, it should be noted uh, last week. I think I said that only Dr. Manhattan could bring him back in time, but lady true has concentrated her efforts on space travel. Yeah. So theoretically, she's got a ship that can get to Jupiter and back in not too much time. 
So we come back to the main plot. Angela follows the big yellow cord to a locked room. Lady True intercepts her for lunch. There's lots of squids set out on the buffet table. Yes, there were. She says, I have a secret plan to save humanity, and it starts in Oklahoma. She says it so dryly that Angela can't tell if she's serious or not. And Lady True knows a lot about Cal's accident. She knows it was a car crash, and she says, I've done a lot of research on memory. Total amnesia is extremely rare, unless you're in a soap opera. <laughs> is that is that true? Oh, there's no such thing as total amnesia. Oh, there's okay. no such thing. Between this scene and the scene with Will in episode two, it's clear that those two know about Cal and his situation. Angela asks about Beyond, and Lady True reveals that she is a clone of True's mother, also named Beyond. Spelled out too clearly for us that we missed it. And she's reintegrating the memories via an IV drip while she sleeps. Lady True wants her parents there when she completes her life's work. The Millennium Clock. And Angela says, your dad's here too? And Lady True says, he will be. He's coming. At this point, there's four hours until the Millennium Clock activation. And Lady True has to deliver her invocation. Don't miss the warning that went over the loudspeaker telling that anybody that had metal implants had to get them removed before the Millennium Clock is activated. It's got magnetic something. Lori awakens in front of a giant Cyclops eye painting with the atomic symbol surrounding it. Did you catch that little thing, Dad? Yeah, that was great. There's tons of true equipment being set up. Are they working together or not? Seems like a lot of stuff to steal. Plot thickens. This is getting more and more complicated by the second. Joe Keen greets Agent Blake. I hear you cracked the case. Put it justice. I didn't see that coming. Not a lot of hundred-year-old vigilantes rolling around. A trap door. I'm sorry? Who has a fucking trap door installed in their living room? Jane told me I was tempting fate by sending you down to Tulsa, but for reasons that will soon become obvious, I couldn't oh, resist. Oh, Jesus, please don't. What? Talk me through your fucking plan. Let me guess. When you were just a boy, your father put you on his knee and told you that you'd been born into the order of the Cyclops and that it was your legacy to grow up and be the most powerful racist fuck in the nation. That's not at all what happened. I'm tired, Joe. I'm tired of all the silliness. You want me to ask you why I'm strapped to a chair in an abandoned J.C. Penny or what that cage is for? Fine. Just know that I don't give a shit. Oh, you'll give a shit about this, Lori. You of all people. You're wrong about Cyclops. We're not racist. We're about restoring balance in those times when our country forgets the principles upon which it was founded. Because the scales have tipped way too far. And it is extremely difficult to be a white man in America right now. So I'm thinking, I might try being a blue one. Lady True's invocation runs through her resume. Graduating from MIT, buying MIT. She includes the failure of nostalgia. 
She says, afraid that once unburdened by the trauma of the past, they would have no excuse to not move into the glory of the future. This is a very dense speech. Dad, did you grasp anything from this? The big things that I was getting was the position of the monitor and where Angela was in relation to the monitor and how at some point it seemed like she was addressing Angela directly. I I thought that was very important. Um, I, I I think what it was basically what it was basically dropping on us is that she's as big, she's as big an egomaniac uh, with a you know messiah complex as Adrian Veidt. You know, it's that exact, that exact same thing. You know, I'm going to do this big ass thing and I'm going to save the world. So, OK, go ahead. You do that. Something is up with the Millennium Clock. It, it has to involve time travel or memories or. No, no. I. You know what? You know what my fear is? My fear is it's that goddamn mesmerism and she's going to mesmerize everybody. Because she's seventh, seventh K. I don't mm. know, but it just makes me insane. I. Yeah, I, I bet William Clock better have a good payoff or I'm going to be super pissed. It's just going to be a giant strobe light. That's all it is, a giant strobe light. That would be too simple, wouldn't it? I can't decide if, if they're on the same side or not. I can't decide if, if they're allied. And I'm really glad that they have kept us in the dark about this. Yeah, be, well, because if if what they're after, if they're both after Dr. Manhattan, because yeah. there's no reason, we know Vite hates Dr. Manhattan. And that probably extends to Lady True, right? If she is her father's daughter, yes. My big worry about this, my mood was not lightened when I finally, after the the second viewing and I was sitting here pondering what all my issues were, and then I started reading a little online chatter about this, which I haven't been doing for pretty much the other six episodes, but this one I sort of, because I really wanted to see what people were talking about this, and then... Then it was like, oh, fuck, look what people are saying about this. And my favorite one is the people who think we are setting it up for a very Avengers endgame, your camp versus my camp kind of thing. And so we're literally setting it up. It's like, who is going to be on which side? And all I care about is that Lori Blake and Angela are on the same side at the end. I need those two to be together. So. Oh, it's looking like that's where it's headed. Eskimo well, sisters. Well, both, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, they both they share they a lover. Share so. Cal, so, yeah, they better work together. Yeah, and that would mean who are they against? There can't be three sides. So, so that would suggest that SK and Lady True are aligned. Well, whoever is which, against. And somehow with. Will Reeves. But if they're aligned, then why does Lady True tip off Angela to try to... Is she tipping her off? Angela desperately breaks into the room she believes is holding Will, only to find an elephant! (laughs) The elephant in the room! We're going to talk about the elephant. (laughs) Are we going to talk about it, Dad? We're going to talk about the elephant in the room, son. It is time to talk about the elephant in the room. (laughs) Elephant's memory, I get it. My big problem is the practicality of the stuff, okay? Where's the door that got the elephant in the room? And where is any evidence of elephant poop? Where is the cleanup? If there was it's the most it's the most amazing moment of oh god, it's an elephant and she's hooked up. And then she rips the fucking tube that is as big as my fist out of her arm no blood no dripping no nothing it was like i hated it so much (laughs) Woo, spicy the elephant is obviously a cloned elephant that doesn't shit and it's always lived in that room it was grown from a baby 
and it never left. I like the way you think, son. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that seems fair. He's just absorbing the memories that they need to extract, right? right. There's the host, the natural host. That's what it does, right? She's never it's flushing said, out the poison memories into this elephant. Yeah. yeah. Makes perfect sense. She rips the tube out of her arm and flashes back to Grandma June coming to get her from the orphanage. June takes Angela to Burgers and Borscht. We learn Marcus never mentioned June to Angela. You got to remind everybody, Burgers and Borscht is a big throwback to the, the graphic novel. Oh, yes. It will be in the Easter eggs. It also signifies that it's after 1985. Yep. We learn that Marcus never mentioned June to Angela because he's mad at his mommy and his daddy. Marcus decided to stay in Vietnam for the opportunities that come from a new state. This echoes the musical Oklahoma once again. Oklahoma being on the brink of statehood and a land full of opportunity. June reached out to Marcus after having a heart attack, after not speaking to him since he joined the war, and that's how June learned everything and came to retrieve Angela. Angela shows June her badge and her Sister Night video, the, the core items to angela's ethos and june says you do not want to fuck with sister night <laughs> not showing any refrain from unleashing profanities on her <laughs> granddaughter yeah. that she right. just met but she, she gonna take her back to tulsa and she's got a vcr and she's gonna watch that movie with her i love me grandma june so much i thought <laughs> i just she oh she warmed my little heart. June tells Angela that Marcus was scared of someone in a mask and never got over it. And in case you weren't sure who it was he was scared of, we've got lots of the little interspersed memories. That's, I started to get real irritated with the device right around there. It's like, we know who he was scared of. Okay, stop. But <laughs> they, they've set it up. They had to go with it. it we, she's, still, she's still in memory flux because they're nostalgic because she unhooked from the elephant. So yes, it's, it's plausible. It just irritated me. That's all. Well, that was the only thing that let me be okay with it in this episode because you're like, well, it's her making that connection in her multi-memory state. You yeah, know? But, yeah, but but we're there's no way that the next episode isn't going to have more flashbacks in it. Okay, there it's because it's it's all right. It's all I right. don't know. I, How many more? It's going to be have? a flashback. Don't forget the next episode. It's going to have the Doctor Manhattan flashbacks, yeah. but I don't know if it'll be because of the nostalgia. Right, 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 exactly. June avoids the topic of Angela's grandfather and promises to watch the movie with Angela in Tulsa. But before they can even get in the cab, June collapses dead. Yeah, while Hall of Notes was playing. Yeah. I know. Great song. Every time you go away. Yeah. Oh, my God, that song. when it was, I was like, oh, this is like killing me right now. And that's when we get <laughs> the incredible shot of young Angela in front of the Dr. Manhattan mural with the devil horns. Yep, yep, yep. Lori talked in previous episodes about how you need trauma in order to put on a mask. And boy, this episode clued us into Angela's youthful trauma, huh? Yes, indeed. Mm. Parents died in front of her on her birthday. Grandma dies in front of her when she finally has hope. Yeah, traumatizing to say the least. Back to the orphanage. Yeah, just when you thought you were out. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, back to live with Vietnamese Miss Hannigan. Ugh. Seriously? Angela wakes up and takes the elevator to level zero. She finds a blue globe in a dark room with recordings of all the Manhattan booth calls. When she touches Tulsa, it plays Lori's conversation from a few episodes back. Lady True enters and mocks the people who beg Dr. Manhattan for help. 
She says, Dr. Manhattan isn't on Mars. He's in Tulsa, pretending to be human. And that Will told her this. Angela. Are we going to keep fucking around here? Or are we going to be honest with each other? Tell me how you know my grandfather and tell me what the fuck you're doing here and don't say it's saving fucking humanity. Your grandfather came to me because he needed someone with my resources to help him stop the 7th Cavalry. Stop them from doing what? In less than an hour, they're going to capture Dr. Manhattan and they're going to destroy him. And then they're going to become him. Can you imagine that kind of power in the hands of white supremacists? I'm sorry, Angela, I know you asked me not to say it, but I am saving fucking humanity. I'm leaving now, because that's the craziest shit I've ever heard. Okay. You didn't ask me who he is. What? I know you think I'm crazy, but... I just told you Dr. Manhattan is here in Tulsa, walking amongst us as a human being, and you never asked me who he is. Is that like a Dr. Manhattan thing? Like that he can just absorb into other beings? Yeah, that's not a Dr. Manhattan thing. Oh, okay. So the conversation from episode two with Will and Angela, where he says, I'm Dr. Manhattan. And she's like, you can't be, he can't do that. She's, she's super quick in coming back with that response, right? She's right. too quick with it. But clearly he can because he has been, right? <laughs> That's the short answer. He did right. it. He figured it out. Right. <laughs> so Pirate Jenny and Red Scare attempt to stop and arrest Angela. She plows through Red Scare's car and drives home. The cavalry are staking out her house. Pretty convenient. They seem to know what's up. Wonder where they got that info. Cal is passed out reading Hemingway's For the Whom the Bell Tolls. Angela praises Cal, tells him she loves him. She's digging through all the drawers until she finds a hammer. And then she says it's time to come out of the tunnel. But Cal doesn't remember. Well, at least she uh, she made sure the kids were asleep before she did it. Because my <laughs> big fear was Topher's just standing at the bottom of the stairs just watching. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know, oh. <laughs> the, trauma, the trauma line continues. Yeah, then Topher will grow up and, and be yeah. a mass hero as well. <laughs> yep. There was no accident. It was all a lie so they could be together. Angela calls him John. Hits him in the face, breaks his skull open, pulls out a metal atomic symbol as a blue light glows and a piano cover of Life on Mars plays. Hey, baby, we're in fucking trouble. Mm. They got me with this one. I didn't see this shit coming at all. Yeah. We were too caught up in the hood of justice. Spoiler and the reveal of that last episode. I thought they had kind of thrown most of their punches, but this one really got me off guard. There were a lot of going around the internet rumors that Cal was Dr. Manhattan, so somebody must have thought uh-huh. of it, uh, even though I, I certainly didn't. So um, I only I only thought of it when um, Lady True brought up the amnesia thing. Right. Like, it's, I feel like that was, it was pretty obvious then that he wasn't, you know, just Cal. Uh, up until that moment, it didn't even occur to me. There's some good clues in this episode there's some good clues throughout the the entire run which we'll talk about a little bit but i I wasn't even thinking this way i I wasn't even i was thinking he would come in from mars 
because somebody pissed him off. I, I, I didn't think that it would be more connected. But the thing that I love was that Lindelof said that the important thing to do with this show was to center it around Angela. And yeah. so they wanted to have Dr. Manhattan involved, and they had to think of a way to involve Dr. Manhattan in terms of Angela. Oh, okay. And they did that really well. It also fed it also fed into my suspicion. I think I said it last week that nobody in this goddamn series is telling us the truth. And I knew Angela was holding something back. I didn't know what it was. Well, now I do. Okay, so where is Will? This is like my major question from this episode. Will's chilling. Just chilling like somewhere in in the complex or what is it, what is it called? The vivarium? Well, the vivarium is the the place where the butterfly is in a statue of Vite. But the big complex, I don't know what it's called. The clock tower millennium thing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where Will is. I don't know where he is. All right, let's dip into the Pedipedia. We've got a memo. The origin story of Sister Knight is written by Dale Petey, September 22nd, 2019. The movie Sister Knight came out in 1977. Isn't available to modern audiences. They seem to have locked away all of the films and television and everything in this great electronics purge that they had in the 90s it's a cult film made in vietnam and we learned that the 70s and 80s saw a phenomenon of films made specifically for the large population of african americans who migrated to vietnam after the war to escape the institutional racism of the nixon era and seek new opportunities in the new frontier i love this note it's made vietnam the land of opportunity, and it kind of explains why Angela's parents went there, which we learned from Grandma June. Black superhero movies critiquing the whiteness of mass vigilantes, and Petey notes the irony of this, given that Hooded Justice is black. The nuns' parents are also murdered, and there's a goofy theme song that they explain all the lyrics to, and we learn that Will Reeves played Sister Knight at his movie theater in harlem every sunday after he learned about angela yeah it's pretty amazing then we've got calvin jelani's medical report this is a doctor's file from saigon that describes angela finding cal and admitting him to the hospital this is from december 23rd 2009 so this is important for the timeline he is previously employed by Pyramid Global Construction. Pyramid was the shell company used by Adrian Vite in the graphic novel. They make it seem like he lost his memory in a car accident. He's got dissociative fugue, no recall, identity loss, and language issues. And my note here is, man, he really might be a swamp fetus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would make sense. He declined an MRI for obvious reasons, and he took interest in a Dr. Manhattan bobblehead. He's obsessed with himself, and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> now the thing I need to know most of all is the White Knight. That's the biggest question. Oh, yeah. I still have questions about is that. Is that when they found out that Cal was Dr. Manhattan? We don't know what happened with Cal on that night. Yeah. We, we don't know, know why. They, we know they spared her. Right. We know Angela survived, and we don't see what happens to Cal. Right. So it's possible that they killed him and discovered the situation and then began laying this plan. But then why wouldn't they just take him then? Well, they needed the equipment because destroying <laughs> Dr. Manhattan is not easy. <laughs> wait, wait, okay, if, they killed, if they killed Cal in the White Knight, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. I know. Then, then he would have woken up. Then he would remember stuff, right? Right. Like th there's a lot of questions. We need to know what happened on that night. I think that's super important. You can't make an omelet without breaking a couple eggs. 
So it's Easter egg time. Just give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Wait, wait. I worry what you just heard was, give me a lot of bacon and eggs. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Do these eggs. Let's crack these eggs. <laughs> I went back and rewatched the scene from episode two where Will hints that he could be Dr. Manhattan. Who are you? I'm the one who strung your chief of police up. No, you're not. Yes, I am. You're 90 fucking years old. How the fuck did you hang him? I am 105 and you curse too much. You didn't kill him. I did all by myself. How? Psychic powers. I can manipulate material with my mind. Is that right? Maybe, uh, I'm Dr. Manhattan. He lives on fucking Mars. And he can't do that. Look like us. He can, uh, make copies of himself. He can be in two places at the same time. He can grow up to 100 feet tall. Change the color of our skin. Why can't he be like that? The most important thing to note was... Angela's quick dismissal of these ideas, how rapidly she shut this down. And Will definitely knows at this point, so he's really testing her here. But there's a glowing blue light from the coffee maker this whole time, mm. which was fantastic, which is a thematic Dr. Manhattan thing, just like we get at the end of the episode. The most ridiculous one by far is the big blue dildo. So ridiculous. It's named Excalibur fuck out of here i'm sorry right. which everyone on the internet has explained that means x cal abar right and that's why the internet should be banned but that's not his name but it's his alias i think it actually is i think he yeah. took her name oh really when they're living together i think that is his name his name is jelani on this medical report yeah that's what i mean it's not abar oh. there but her name's Abar still, yeah, you know? So, so I feel yeah. like they're the Abars. Stretch, but... huh. If they really did this, the double Stop. the double entendre of the sword in the stone reference <laughs> and having it be this literal, it's too much. We know that Lori's really into Cal. She says how hot he is multiple times. A little bit of a sticky situation there. Abar, the first black Superman, was a movie released in reality in 1977, which is the same year as Sister Night. And PD references a movie, The Black Superman, in his report, which was a direct spoof of Dr. Manhattan. There's a few videos in this opening scene on the rack. We've got two movies about elephants, Tusky, and what's the other one? Yeah, I couldn't come up with that. Trunky, maybe? Trunky and Tusky. Yeah. <laughs> There's also Monsters from Outer Space, which is taken from a quote in the novel when Dr. Manhattan appears in a TV studio. They're not paying me enough to handle monsters from out of space. There's also Fog Dancing by Max Shea, which is the book that Mrs. Clark was reading that's been adapted into a movie directed by David Cronenberg, Dad. Nice. Nice. So we've got Spielberg's Pale Horse and Cronenberg's Fog Dancing in this alternate reality. There's also Silk Swingers, a B-movie about Sally Jupiter in the comic was called Silk Swingers of Suburbia. We see a Dr. Manhattan puppet. And this is important because Dr. Manhattan once told Lori, we're all puppets, Lori. I'm just a puppet who can see the strings. Mm. Uh -huh. It's also interesting that the puppeteer is manipulating the bombing. Right, right. Burgers and Borscht was a restaurant in New York in the graphic novel. It only appeared after 1985 when the Soviet Union and the United States were peaceful. It's this weird mashup of American and... 
Russian foods that honestly sounds disgusting. I don't want a borscht burger anywhere yeah. near me. <laughs> mm, borscht. <laughs> the illustration present at Veidt's trial of the squid is the same one that the surrealist painter Hira Manish drew in the graphic novel. Yeah, yeah. We've got a butterfly flying through Lady True's vivarium, which is a callback to a similar butterfly in Veidt's vivarium at Karnak. Lady True makes reference to the Shelley poem in her speech for the Millennium Clock. Right. And then the elephant in the room. <laughs> Lady True is obsessed with elephants, as we've noted earlier. She's got the hourglass. She's got the tea set. She's got the paintings on the wall. She named herself after the historic Lady True who rode into battle on an elephant. And then, of course, elephants don't forget, so their memories are quite powerful. Saw a group of eggs, but we haven't had any literal eggs in a while, which is kind of bumming no. me out. Mm. Oh, we haven't had any eggs in a while, huh? I know. Believe me, I I'm waiting. I need eggs. <laughs> we had so many eggs earlier. We finally got some bacon, though, in the Vite sequence, so at least we're bouncing it out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my biggest questions coming out of this episode, who is Lady True's father? What does she mean he will be coming? The only real options here are the comedian, who we know fucked a lot of Vietnamese women in his time during the war, but I would think we can rule him out because that would mean introducing a new character. Dr. Manhattan, do we know if Dr. Manhattan can procreate, Dad? We do not. We have no evidence of this. So I thought that this was... I mean, we know that Angela and Cal don't have kids, and obviously the host body... Might not be viable, <laughs> fertile. <laughs> we have absolutely no idea how Dr. Manhattan is in Cal's body. We just know he is. We don't know. What, you think you peel away his, you peel away his skull and Dr. Manhattan is underneath? No, no, no. Well, well hold on. That's, that's coming up. But I, I don't think he can procreate, so I think we can rule out him being Lady True's father, which leaves Adrian Veidt. We it's know he Adrian. lived in Vietnam. It makes a lot of sense. One of my questions here is what actor will play Dr. Manhattan? My two options are the guy who plays Phillips or the guy who plays Cal. And I'm wondering if they'll make Dr. Manhattan in blue black. No, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be Billy Crudup, of course. It kind of sounded like Billy Crudup in the, in the trailer. I got to yeah. admit. Yeah. No. Wait, why? Why do y'all guess him? He played it in the in the Watchmen movie. Oh, okay, okay. Ah, is Cal a swamp fetus? Oh, most definitely. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. That Absolutely. Would be, that would be awesome. Why aren't there any cow babies out on out on Europa? Why is it only Phillips and Crookshanks? Maybe he's in the wrong swamp. Well, yeah. He, he, well. Yeah, I mean that's all they wanted in that location. So my idea here, Dad, is that. They've condensed Dr. Manhattan down into that little metal thing. He turned himself into that. How he's able to, like, turn himself off, you know, and, and restrict his own abilities, I, I guess that's only something he can do, right? Right. And then they just implant it into this swamp fetus, which Angela basically trains to be the perfect stay-at-home dad. But the implication is that Angela and... John Osterman slash Dr. Manhattan fell in, fell in love. Right. And so that means they have spent some time together. Yes. When he was in his Dr. Manhattan state. So that means he came back to earth after leaving earth at mm. the end of the Watchmen comic, having lost interest in humanity. Yes. This is what I need the most is the 
in between 1985 to whenever he meets Angela time. Right. That's right. what I need. Because clearly, he went out to Europa. He botched a civilization. <laughs> right. Right. He got bored. And then because he sees time as a flat circle, it was time to come back to fall in love with Angela. <laughs> right. Right. Interesting. Right. The thing I'm more interested in personally is how is he able to turn himself off to be in sleep mode in Cal's head until this time? You know, like how much agency does he have over Cal? Is he there at all? Oh, yeah, because Cal seems to be completely unaware. If this was their way to be together, how are they being together if it's not really if Dr. It's Manhattan? Not, yeah. It was his idea, though. <laughs> his idea. She says that. She makes yeah. it clear. This was not my cause, was yours. You wanted to be a swamp fetus. Right. You wanted to be a swamp fetus. Instead of running away to a, another planet, you wanted to right. live in Tulsa and be a swamp fetus. So, right. Well, you should go back and rewatch the uh, the closet sex scene and see if there's any blue light in that one. Ooh. <laughs> I'm sure he made the swamp fetus perfectly capable. Yeah. No blue action needed. <laughs> As I mentioned, I, w I need to know what happened on the White Knight. That's still my biggest question. Who's the third person that survived? Is that where the seed of this plan was formed? Did they figure something out then? What happened to Cal? Then we have our timeline, which is in 2009. That's when Dr. Manhattan became Cal. So how did he create the prison? Was the prison already existent? Who took Vite to the prison? Did they take Vite to the prison in 2009? And that's when he decided to come back to Earth and be Cal. Need this timeline straightened out. It's very important to me. And then, will Keen and the cavalry succeed in destroying Dr. Manhattan? Vite tries to do this at the end of the graphic novel, but he fails. He hits Dr. Manhattan with an intrinsic field, just like the one that created him. But because Dr. Manhattan knows how to put himself back together, he comes back relatively quickly. Right, and the cavalry... And the cavalry doesn't know this has happened. So, yeah, that's very interesting. It would seem to me there's no chance that they, they have no chance to destroy him. There is a really important part of my outcome in this that the cavalry be more racist than smart and that they get their end because of their own fucking stupidity. That I want more than anything. Well, wasn't, isn't the implication going to be that they're going to try to replicate? whatever he did to become Dr. Manhattan as opposed so that's to part, that's part two, right? Yeah. To becoming him. Yeah. The entire reason that John Osterman was able to come back as Dr. Manhattan is his background as a watchmaker oh. and his familiarity with putting things back in sequence, complicated things. So the assertion is that John Osterman reassembled himself right. to become Dr. Manhattan. And then eventually John Osterman faded away. The personality changed. Right. And, and right. Manhattan says that he has become Manhattan. Interesting. There's no chance that Joe Keen knows diddly squat. Right. About nothing. Right. And he's just going to blow himself up. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll just be separated particles floating around, unable to be pieced together by exactly. his intellect. Yes, right. So he'll just disappear. I'll just get that blue guy surgery. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's like LASIK, you know. <laughs> Give me the Dr. Manhattan treatment. I'm with you, Dad. I kind of see this plan backfiring. But it is ambitious and it yeah. is interesting. Like, and if Lady True is involved, 
if she's backstabbing Will and right running oh, the cavalry, yes. then it is it's way more possible. Right. But right. Remember, if they're but, aligned and and they she just wants Keen to be the body, right, if you but, will. But remember, Will said that in three days something was going to happen that was going to make Angela hate him. Yes. No. Yeah, that's true. Kill Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. yeah like, Killing Dr. Manhattan would do it if that is... Yeah, yeah, you're right. So confusing. I'm sure it will all get That's revealed. That's why he's looking for the empathy in advance. Right. I need you to understand who I am and what I've been dealing with so that you you won't hate me when I kill your boyfriend. Right. Dr. Manhattan? But Dr. Manhattan's not a racist, right? No, he has no concept of race. Post-racism. So, right. so you, we think Post- Will is just okay. going to kill him because so he won't get into the hands of the cavalry? Well, that's one possibility. I don't think that anybody's uh, plan that they are making now is going to go the way they think or want it to go. I think there's going to be an outcome that no one is right. going to foresee. The point I was so. Lady True does make mistakes. Yeah, that's right. She she made nostalgia. She doesn't always yes. get it right. Exactly. This is the this is the fundamental truth, right? It's these powerfully smart people who can do huge things and affect massive amounts of people, change governments. What you know, they're just so powerful, but they make catastrophic mistakes. Yep. It left me in a really pensive place. They gave us a bunch of info here, but then also, like you said, Dad, you're expecting these people to fail. Like I just don't Especially because, like, a portal is involved with this cavalry device yeah. that they're building. Yeah. yeah. They're going to try to, like, warp him to another dimension or some shit. Oh, you know? yeah. That portal thing. And it was only porting, teleporting stuff to the other room, right? Yes. They were they were in the very preliminary stages of testing that thing out. <laughs> the last time <laughs> we saw it. They, I know. They see. And that wasn't a year ago. <laughs> no. That was, like, one day ago. Oh, so when we put it in here, the basketball comes out over there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Seems to it. be in like early development on that machine. <laughs> Thank you so much for my guests, Jake Hoy, Eden Liu, and Walter Mays. I'm Anthony Mays, and we'll see you next time for the penultimate episode of The Watchmen. Mm-hmm.